Don't look now, but it's a whole new world of weed out there. Pot is flower, it's Bruce Banner and Blue Dream. You've got bongs and dabs, resin and shatter, vaping and edibles, new terms, new strains, and new ways to use cannabis sativa, the plant. Some just made with CBD and hemp has minimal THC. There's sativa and indica strains and 100 chemicals all legal in 10 states for adult use. There's a lot to get to know. Get used to it, folks, because it's legal in the Bay State and it's not going away. Neither is In the Weeds with Jimmy Young next. Revolutionary Clinics is just one of 49 medical cannabis dispensaries in Massachusetts, but there's a reason why it's one of the most popular. It's their patient-first philosophy. All day long, they teach, they educate, they communicate about this complicated plant called cannabis sativa. That's true. Whether you visit their Cambridge location in Fresh Pond at 110 Fawcett Street or at 67 Broadway in Somerville. Revolutionary Clinics, where the patient comes first. I am the founder of Pro Cannabis Media, Jimmy Young. I'm Kurt with Cannabis.net. And I'm Dan McCarthy, Director of Communications, Cannapreneur Partners. There you go, <laughs> Cannapreneur Partners. So Mike Scott tells a great story. He, of course, is one of the co-founders of Cannapreneur Partners. <laughs> anyway, it's a, it, it, it was a perfect time to play that story because we're talking about self-medication. We're talking about a, a family... Someone in your family needs help, and you're at wit's end. You don't know what to do. Traditional medicine is not working. So that's when a lot of people turn to cannabis to give it a shot for either the first time or first time since college back in the day. And a great example of that, right, mm -hmm. Dan? Um, and here he is now jumping in, and I, I really like the fact that Cannapreneur Partners is doing right by do, yeah, doing right by doing good. They really want to impact. I call it socially responsible capitalism. You know, profits it, with purpose is, 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 how, they, is how, how we phrase it. Profits with purpose. Look, I, I mean, everybody can win in this industry. That's one of the best parts about. That's one of the really exciting parts, personally, about being in cannabis. This is you know, this is something that really can change lives. Um, uh, all of the stuff aside about the you know whatever the promises of of you know business acumen or medical breakthroughs and everything else looking at it at the broadest painted strokes right you know i was listening to a fantastic podcast um about a week or two ago in the I, weeds with jimmy young and th that was one of them okay and then, sure. and then around that one was another one <laughs> i forget the guy's name i think um Anyway, I thought uh, it was Mike, it was Mike Miller. Was, I think it was Mike Miller. <laughs> Mike Miller. Okay. Um, um, anyway, uh, it was talking about how you know cannabis is a plant a, a, as as an economic engine, as a medicine, as a way for kicks, as a way for enhancing one's life versus alcohol uh, and most drugs, which are escape. Right? Cannabis really is enhancement. It's the it's the repositioning of former issues that whether they are. Um, psychological whether the physical there is a large spectrum of of applications for this product but on top of that this is something that can be grown around the world you know think about it in terms of like like how how a lot of the global struggles in a geopolitical sense are being formed it's really because people are without without basic creature comforts sometimes without even human comforts living on the verge of the stone age in wartime places in the middle of the desert and in all places of the world cannabis can be grown all, all over the world and you know what if you if if actual grows can be set up on the gaza strip which they are and you can have 
uh, Israelis and Palestinians working in cultivation centers together. Like, look, you know, the, the, at the end of the day, if you have a roof over your head, and this is I'm paraphrasing uh, from a podcast I heard, if you, have a, if you have a roof over your head, if you're providing for your family, if you're doing it in such a way, doing something you like and something that you know is actually creating a mass benefit, both economically and medicinally and in every other way that cannabis can benefit um, the world, really, um, you know, then you're probably less likely to hate your neighbor. You're probably less likely to want to cause violence to somebody else, to have, you know, some kind of systemic violence take root in your head and, you know, prey on fears and insecurities and everything else that, you know, leads to a lot of, of bad shifts in the culture. Um, that's a very rosy, you know, like colored look at it all but that's a reality i mean that's that that's what we're dealing with here we're dealing with the fact that this is something that is turning other people's lives around sometimes it's in a, in a medicinal sense a lot of times and that's where you know where cannabis and her partners comes in where a lot of the interest in the business of cannabis is coming in is that there are people now that are either a going to be trying to pull themselves out of the black market unless they want to stay in the black market because of regulatory delays or like look at what's Cal- what's happening in california right now i mean their black market's more robust than ever because they've had a lot of different wonky issues in the midground since legalization. But you know what? California is still a, a state in the republic that has a greater GDP than, I think, like the country of France or something. You know what I mean? And they have the biggest legal market. These are the growing pains. These are the tectonic shifts that are happening while the entire industry settles underneath it. Yeah. One of the things I want to make sure, and I want to get this out here, too, um, we all recognize that this plant has enhancements, has benefits, medicinal qualities, the whole nine yards. But it can't cure everything. And I think that's one of the things that I'm already hearing from the anti-community saying, you know, it's not a cure-all for everything, but it can change people's lives even in a small way. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, you know, as much as, and I do subscribe to that. I mean, like, I think there is a lot of overstatement of the of what could be the case. Yep. That's really what we're dealing with, right? And sort of this, like, bizarro, through the looking glass, Ludwig Wittgenstein, like, the world is all that is the case, like, kind of thing. People are making macro statements about, look at what's just happening with the, with the FDA, like, cracking right down. down on CBD yeah. companies. Just like, yeah. all right, stop. You can't say using this will make you ride a unicorn into, like, it a, la- a land it, of cheeseburgers. Like, it happened to right. cure relief located course, here in yep, Wakefield, yep. Massachusetts. Right. They paid a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar fine and they got stuff. That, 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 that wasn't it. Claims. I know that wasn't yeah, it. There was, was a tough week though. I mean the yeah, FDA yeah. took their stuff off because they were making medical claims. Right. So we get that. But here's the deal. I mean in in that's that's really born from it you know this this is something that isn't new. Like, that's one of the things that a lot of the public commentary really brought up. That was some of the things that the community really brought up in the early days as as we moved towards trying to pass question four, right? Mm-hmm. It's that, you know, for every, for anti, for every prohibitionist um, commentary or platform or political stance that would either cite some regurgitated bad junk science or outdated stigmata or some other gibberish that says that if you even touch the plant, then your head's going to cave in and your feet's going to fall off and it's going to weaken the resolve of our allies around the world and all this nonsense. Like, at the end of the day, we are at a place where there's enough critical mass coming where people are actually at a point of making too many good claims on it. Like, this is the reverse of cannabis in a popular American culture for the last 65 years, right? Um, and moreover, be, that to me is indicative of the fact that there are enough people 
being wowed by this. There are people that are legitimately having their lives change in very small ways, but are in the ways that are the most meaningful. Whether it's somebody with anxiety that tried full-spectrum, plant-based, really well-made CBD oil for the first time, or the arthritic person that put the cream on, or whatever else. Or the, the, the first time somebody tried CBD in conjunction with a little bit of THC for that entourage effect. The first time somebody tried a CBD cocktail that is non-alcoholic, terpene-rich with organic pressed terpenes, and now there's an entire other field of study going on with the entourage effect that has nothing to do with THC and CBD. It's how the actual terpenes, those essential oils that make not only cannabis, but any plants have their essence. Pinene is pine trees. You, if somebody, you know, you tell somebody you can't breathe, what's the old, you know, old wives' tale or the, or the old adage? Go take a hike in the woods. Why? Because conifer-rich forests are active in pinene. Pinene is an anti-inflammatory for your lungs. You walk around in a forest for an hour. You come out. You're breathing in all these oils. You go up to a lavender plant. Look at a lavender plant in your kitchen. You go up and you smell it. There is no smell whatsoever. You clap one of the leaves, and it's lavender in your face that's limonol or something yep. yeah yeah i mean so now people are really trying to look at what the actual entourage effect with these naturally occurring essential oils that are are independent of cannabis they just happen to also be woven in there it's chemistry 101 and i'm sure dr kurt dalton can you know reflect <laughs> uh, dr dad takes over no but, no but go ahead but generally he's right on um you know with the fda we do a lot of medical uh, articles at cannabis.net and the general rule is you can't say cure Right. That's 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 too universal. Impact. Impact. If you say it helps, you better be citing a few things because the FDA can say, well, how do you? What are the studies that say it helps? Right. And that's really where you're at is the waterfall effect. We call it with our writers. Like we don't say it's not gonna, it's not going to be a cure. Uh, plenty of people with cancer, unfortunately, who have tried cannabis. Uh, you know, pass away, but we can say it helps with this. And if you say it helps, you better be citing something in your article. Yeah. And again, there's a ton of anecdotal evidence, and yet this plant has been studied more than any other uh, plant that I know of, like 30,000 by the substance abuse community. They were looking for years for a reason why this plant isn't good is what what are the negative effects of this plant they looked and they looked they had over 30,000 studies done on cannabis and less than 4% came up with anything negative now i'm not saying that you cannot abuse this you can abuse anything you can abuse water you can abuse um fruits sugar i abuse i co- love my sugar I, I abuse coffee every day right every yeah. day i take a substance that is controlled by right the federal government because of its potential uh, impact on health uh, if you overuse or abuse it. And every day I crush coffee to the point the world is shaking around me. That's just that's just my routine. Right. But I mean, that is technically a, taking too much of a controlled substance. Yeah, right. exactly right. Um, Mike, we have a video uh, that's called um, Abacus R Us, right? Uh, I'd like to roll that, and then we get to talk a little bit more about this specific product and also our our friends at uh, CBD Medic. Go ahead. You like to stay active, but when pain gets in the way, reach for CBD Medic. All-natural, topical pain relief with the benefits of THC-free hemp oil. Just apply at the source for fast relief of pain. CBD Medic, available at CVS. All of our products are registered with the FDA, and that is an anomaly today. Yes, it is. Okay? We go back, actually, our science and technology goes back 15 years as a pharmaceutical company. And we already knew how to file products, topical products, OTCs, uh, over-the-counter products with the FDA, 
and to be able to, you know, to make medical claims with those products. That is really important because in the industry today, mm -hmm. you have a lot of products out there that will say, well, you can do this for relaxation, you can do this for that, this, and they're not making medical claims, or if they are, they're illegally making the claims. Mm -hmm. But we want to be able to be above board, do it the right way, based on real science, and that's what we do. That is Perry Antelman, the CEO of CBD Medic and Abacus. And like Perry, he's a nice Jewish boy from Newton, as am I. Oh, boy. All right, and, and, <laughs> and cited a lot of the research that comes out of Israel on this specific plant. And, you know, it, it never... It never it always amazes me at how a small nation can make such an impact on the world. And that was something I wanted to ask you. I mean, like, you know, there's so much there's so much data and so much research that's come out of the Middle East and in Israel and spe you know, specifically, not only because, I mean, for a long time, their their moves have been have been gigantic. Right. You know, they were the ones that, you know, they have technology for precise dose cartridge whole plant based cannabis vaporization technology that got, a, that got a 12 million dollar yeah. boost from philip morris like yep. five or six years ago right you know like they're really at the constantly at the cutting edge um you know besides what's lacking in in federal research and data i mean you just must have access to so much you know like double placebo you know, peer-reviewed, like anecdote, like just you just have must have so much things that would just go right under the place that would constitute like somebody going, oh, is that federal data? That's the one I, I trust. You just must have a mountain just underneath there. Yeah, most of our writers, and we do have uh, some in Israel, will always have to cite those medical journals. Yeah. And, and Israel, for the listeners and the viewers that don't know, like they are... 25 years ahead in research I mean, than even the U.S. West Coast. They are doing, um, as Dan mentioned, there's an inhaler for a very much looks just like an asthma. I think it's up to at least 20 million in funding. Exact dosage. Uh, like yeah, seek, stuff that we're seek, like, right? Well, yes, yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. About that, yeah. Um, so yeah, we cover those kind of things in our startup spotlights. But just to see the science, I, I hope there is some agreement at some point between the U.S. and Israel on the sharing of information and the in the com this coming together on this particular subject of. You got, you got, they're 25 years ahead of us in their studies. We could learn so much. You know, we're just starting at like years four. They're at like 30. Like, oh, what, what are we about to find out? And why, let's not waste time and money. Yeah, and, the, and then remembering that like that's 25 actual years. Yeah. And any one year in cannabis is like, you know, seven dog years, right? Yeah. So they're actually like a generation ahead of us, yeah. basically. Because the they research, have such, right? uh, on research, yeah. specifically research, yep. Absolutely. Um, one of the big subjects that we really haven't touched on is the challenges that law enforcement are having recognizing operators driving vehicles under the influence of cannabis. Mm -hmm. And the problem is there's a ton of people out there that are not impaired when they drive under the influence mm -hmm. of cannabis and they actually can be more focused on the road now i'm not saying go out and do 20 bong hits and then get behind the wheel of a car do not do that not that's that. stupid yeah. act like an adult like stop I keep, at 10 right stop it <laughs> stop at one yeah, because no, you only need one that. bong yeah. hit these days right, right. i mean the, the stuff is so well, powerful speak for yourself jimmy come on <laughs> Anyway, my point is I want to get your guys' feelings about what law enforcement's trying to do and how in the world are they ever going to figure out a way to, to test those that are behind the wheel of a car that are under the influence, by the way, not just of cannabis, but how are you going to test it if they're under the influence of Percocet or Adderall or any number of drugs that are already available uh, over the counter and also by prescription? How are they ever going to do this, guys? 
Well, I know uh, we've covered, I think, three of the startups that are trying to develop the standard that everyone accepts. And you're right, the everyone's endocannabinoid system is different. It's not right. like alcohol, where it's uh, two beers for this one, four for this one. Um, the problem they're having, law enforcement, is that no matter what system they pick, when the person challenges it in front of a judge, it falls apart. Right. Because it's just not the data. They right. said this isn't the same. Like, and the judge goes, by law, boom, dismissed. So, yep, and, and it's funny, we talked about standardization in um, in the lab testing, the Leafly article this week about lab shopping, mm-hmm. how people are taking their uh, flour and basically shopping it. You can take it to a cannabis lab that tests it, and you would get three different results at three different mm-hmm. labs. Mm-hmm. So, there's, in, especially on the West Coast, there's lab shopping. So, I want the lab, much like uh, the U.S., how we rate bonds in the United States, is whatever lab gives me the best THC rating, I'm going to give my next batch to and my next batch. Um, so I said when the federal law changes, certainly the FDA will have a standard protocol for testing that you have to go by, whatever it's going to be, through light spectrometry or, or you know d- d- solutions. And I think the same thing will happen on the breathalyzer side. There will be, look, it's going it, to, was it 0.2 or 0.6 or whatever it is for alcohol? Like, it's going to be a cannabis number. And regardless of if you're 300 pounds or 100 pounds, we got to, you know, it's going to be a number at some point. The judges have to go by that because they have no guidance right now, the judges, when it's challenged. Right. And, right. and well, how are they going to tell? They're going to do a pinprick of your finger to get a blood test out of you? Are they going to make it pee That's in the, the cup on the side of the road? I mean, this is, this is not an easy thing. This is not an easy thing no, to come I, up with. I mean, I, I, wouldn't even, I wouldn't even begin to speculate right now, right? Because there's, there's a few different angles to look at it by. Like, yeah, I mean, eventually some, I mean, Fast forward on a long enough timeline, right. and it's eventually something's going to be set up. We have no idea what that looks like yet. We might not even speak the language that it's going to need to be spoken in right now. Cars um, might be driving themselves by that time. Yeah, but you know, by that time, then I mean, you can do twenty it. bog hits. That's, That's right. good. good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're going to need that just to get into the car. Right. Boston traffic continues on the way it is. That's right. That's another. Um, but yeah, look, you know. It's, a lot of the pre-legalization arguments from a lot of cannabis foes were, you know, these yeah. wild stories like there's going to be somebody hitting a joint and then just mowing over kids. Oh, and, zombie apocalypse. Oh, the God. Yes. I mean, forget it. Let, let alone the fact that these that, that there was a lot there was a large prohibitionist movement, you know, safe and uh, was it safe and healthy mass or no? Yep. Sam, Sam that did, did that. The famous Kevin uh, video before the election, you know, oh, yeah. like the moms like, you know, driving by down like whatever it was like Route One. And it was like, we, we you know, have all the parody st- on that. I yeah. stay low over there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kevin! Kevin! You know, like, meanwhile, Mom. making it look like there was, like, right. weed brownies, like, in the window, like, it's at a bakery. It was right. just ridiculous. Well, the best part of that, too, is Kevin comes out with a grocery bag. Like a sack Like, like he's coming things. out of Stop and Shop with about $4,000 worth of cannabis. He goes, yeah. Mom? Yeah, And he's yeah, got, exactly. like, this huge bag. <laughs> like, it's trick-or-treat. I'm like, wow, that kid did well. That's a lot of, that's a lot of weed, kid. <laughs> that's a lot of weed. He's, like, eight coming he, out of that. He, he clearly was not paying the full tax no, on that, because no. that, that, his, <laughs> yeah, his mowing route wasn't going to do that. Um, yeah, so... So, I mean, in terms of law enforcement, yeah, like eventually a standard is going to get hit. But look, we are so in the early days right now. It's no, There's no way to look at that because, like you said, it constantly falls apart in front of a judge. Yeah. On top of that, there is no agreed upon science or technology that can actually adequately demonstrate levels of impairment based on agreed upon standards or rates, right? On top of that, cannabis fundamentally functions within the body differently than alcohol. You want proof of that, challenge anybody who's a drinker to go shot for joint. I guarantee you the person that has 10 joints is still functional. They're just going to be super baked, but they're going to be functional, and the person that had 10 shots is going to be a disaster. Right. 
Um, so the, it, it functions within the body differently. Then you get into all the other, uh, the micro, uh, you know, the little bits of details about body type, about tolerance. I mean, what I what I consume in an average day, you know, to somebody that does not consume at all, like, yeah, that would be like. You know, putting them in front of like a charging like African rhino, like, and they'll get mowed over, and that's just probably not the person to get behind a wheel. Having said that, cannabis on the roads isn't new. It it's been around for years. People have been driving stoned on the roads for thirty years, and I'll tell you what: the people that I know that are stoned on the road, I'm not talking about a first time user that rips a joint or hits a vape and suddenly gets behind the wheel of you know their auntie's Tesla and goes careening off a bridge or whatever. I'm talking about somebody that's that's a, a daily user. They're using this as medicine as, as like anything else, or. As a self-medication, I'll tell you what, I used to have terrible road rage. Now, I'm not going to admit on the air what I do or do not do before I get behind the wheel of the car, but I'll tell you what, I'm a pretty chill driver now these days. Good. Now you're good. I am safe as hell. I mean, you know, I get that nice I get that nice sweet spot of like 8 to 12 miles over the speed limit, get the cruise control on, <laughs> throw an album on, I don't have to worry about anything, that kind of stuff. Uh, but, but the reality is this, um, cannabis has been on the roadways for a long time. Now... Look back at the data, whatever data is available. You will not find somebody that conclusively, like if some kind of horrific, you know, fatal accident happened or something, or some other infraction of the law, when it involves driving on the road, they're really, the data is very low, if anything, but if there's cannabis in their system, it's typically in conjunction with other things. Now, I have personally been on the road Driving on 93, stuck by exit 18, outside of the tunnel like everybody else, going <laughs> south, and just been in bumper-to-bumper traffic, and I've just seen like people like openly like crack open like a medicine bottle, must be Prozac, Lexapro, who knows what it is, take a little fistful of Skittles, knock them back, and just get ready for their, their, their you know trip down a Fall River. Like, I've watched that. Now, if you can tell me that somebody would watch that and be like, that person's abusing drugs in the car, chances are it looks like a prescription bottle. Somebody might look like, I don't know, they're just taking their medicine. You know? Right. It, it, it leaks into that. It, this all comes back to the stigma, right? When is, when is mommy needs a glass of wine going to be just as acceptable as mommy needs a joint in the cultural parlance? Like, that's, that's acceptable. Like, woo, mommy's had a bad day. I need a glass of wine. You say that around somebody's be like, "Mommy needs a joint." It's been a yeah. long day, so I'll be like, "What did you just say?" Right. Like that. That's, that, that, that's going to change. That's that double standard, right. and that's how that wraps up into the larger argument of everything so, from so, law enforcement and standards. So I got a question for you guys um, about punishment. Is if punishment is going to be set up to fit the crime, and if we both all recognize that we don't are certainly not going to sit here and say, you know, have ten bong rips and get behind the wheel of a car. We don't want you to do that. If you do something like that, you're putting yourself in danger and those around you. So we are not saying, you know, get high and get behind the wheel of a car. Of course. Okay? I want to make sure I keep coming back to that. Mm-hmm. But maybe instead of a, um, an arrest for operating under the influence, there's a hefty fine. Or something that they can, and again, you're going to go through before the judge, and the judge is going to say, you know what, you can't prove it. How do you prove he's impaired, even though we have this in his system? You know, there's got to be a way to create something where the punishment will fit, not necessarily the crime, but definitely the mistake in judgment of doing that. 
And I don't know what that would be. I don't know either. And that, that I'd love your perspective. I mean, you know, what do you think about the whole the uh, drug rec- the DREs? You know, uh, these supposed experts that like if you got pulled over, they'd just be this extra person in law enforcement that would come out and like assess and be like, "Yep, on drugs." Like I don't, I still don't fully understand how they anticipated to make that work, and that's a part of why those things would fall apart in front of a judge. But it's because there is no agreed upon standard, so it's almost like having like a life coach come in and. and Force the law next to you. You're like, what are you? What are you saying to me? Yeah. You know so I mean? the listeners and viewers don't know. There's a movement. I think it's maybe it's in. Ma- I know it's in mass, but to have a trained professional. I don't know if it's a state police. Right. Come, there's there's a course that they over. take. Yeah, there's they a, take course a course that they take. So, drug like, education course or something. Yeah. Sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure that person that gets up on the stand, uh, gets up on the stand with your honor. I don't think he's going to hold up too well either. It's one of those. They get trained in, in alcohol training too. I had a buddy uh, from high school that, believe it or not, got to. Uh, he got picked to go to the state police. They start drink. You start drinking as fast as you can at 8 a.m. They get you hammered by 10. And then for all the rookie police, they put you out on a course and they they literally go through that. And you have to do it two days in a row. Yeah. So let's do let's do that with the marijuana testing at the state barracks. Well, I'd like to see. I'd actually like to see a defensive driving test for all drivers because um, the biggest distraction on the road is the phone texting. Yeah. Okay. It's the phone. It's way more deadly. Way more deadly. And I can attest That's that I was hit at a red light by someone who was on the phone. Let's just leave it at that because there is some litigation. I don't want to get into more about that. Is that okay? I know Kurt wanted to. Way to bury that lead. I can't do it. I can't do it. That's enough. And besides, I'm taking back control because I'm going to wrap up this whole program. Revolutionary Clinics is just one of 49 medical cannabis dispensaries in Massachusetts, but there's a reason why it's one of the most popular. It's their patient-first philosophy. All day long, they teach, they educate, they communicate about this complicated plant called Cannabis Sativa. That's true. Whether you visit their Cambridge location in Fresh Pond at 110 Fawcett Street or at 67 Broadway in Somerville. Revolutionary Clinics, where the patient comes first. In the Weeds with Jimmy Young is a production of the Pro Cannabis Media Group for the education and information of our listening audience. The opinions on this podcast are strictly those of the hosts of the program and do not represent Pro Cannabis Media or any of its affiliates. No medical advice is given and any use of cannabis should be by adults over the age of 21 and used responsibly.